Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Show. I'm Stu Whiffin. Joining me always, Blake Harrison. How are you today? Very good, mate. Very good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm excited. I'm excited for today's guest. I'm not going to beat around the bush and uh, and start kind of leaving little hints because everybody knows who it is because that's <laughs> why they've clicked here. We're speaking to the gunslinger. We're speaking to John Wayne Parr. Ten times kickboxing Muay Thai world champion. And he has got all the stories, right? He does. He does. You know what? Like, we are an MMA show, but for anyone that isn't as so, for anyone that isn't as low au fait with 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 Muay Thai, just as the sport itself, can you just tell us how excited you are about having John Wayne Park? Because you're a huge Muay Thai fan. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, I'm I'm not a I'm not a fighter, but I've um I've trained in Muay Thai for. 13 years now and uh and, and one of the very first fighters that um my instructor told me to go and watch was was john wayne Parr, and uh and, and yeah it's ridiculous absolutely his career win lose or draw that guy throws and he's so exciting to watch and we we, we talk about his career from you know moving to thailand and uh and, and and everything in between there's so much to to get on this and we you know there was it was just a wonderful chat. He's such a, a charismatic fella and, uh, and and chats all of his stories, 100 mile an hour. So you've got to strap in for this one because you've you got a lot of, a lot of uh, fantastic experiences and stories coming at you uh, on this episode. Um, before we drop that episode, um, we should ask you all to subscribe uh, to, this, uh, to this show whether that be on YouTube or whether that be on wherever you listen to your your podcast, because we, we, we cover all of them. So if you've not yet watched us, you can uh, go and uh, you can go and watch our little faces um, over on YouTube. And may I suggest that you subscribe over there because we're about to really kind of lift things on, on the visual side of things. I'm sure Blake and I will tell you a little bit more about that in the coming weeks, but we've got some really exciting stuff um, that we're going to be doing and, uh, and it's going to have a, a, a fantastic kind of lift for uh, for the show on on the sort of visual side of things um and and not only uh do you get to uh find out what we're going to be doing with that but you get to um 
while you're over there, explore the uh, the archives of this because we've uh, we've got about 150 episodes now with some of the biggest names in combat sports, and they're all there to be enjoyed for free. So it's the least you can do by just popping over there and subscribing. We should talk about Gamcare, right? We should, yes. Gamcare are a fantastic charity that help people with gambling addiction. So if you are someone that thinks that, you know, you might be suffering from a gambling addiction, if your your wages are going all on gambling, if you're struggling to pay bills, if you're going towards payday loans because you are struggling with a gambling addiction, Gamcare could really, really help you out. And it's uh, the, the idea of a gambler being this kind of like old bloke down at the races or, or popping into the betting shop is no longer the the you know the, the the common form that we that we see with gamblers anymore like a lot of gamblers nowadays they're on the um on the apps and and different things you can get just on your phones that have you know the slot machines and bingos and whatever else it is on on the apps on your phone so the the idea of a, a gamblers have, have changed recently and, and you might be a, a young person that's just on your phone not even really realizing that you might have a problem um but uh, what gamcare do is they can uh, offer you a 24 7 helpline there's little instant message boxes that you can have on your phone uh, to get some help they also can provide counseling which is an amazing thing in this day and age with mental health crisis as it is um to be able to get counseling so quickly and for free through gamcare is an incredible thing and it doesn't just apply to someone with a gambling addiction it applies to friends and family members of people that might be suffering with a gambling addiction as well because that addiction can affect an entire family uh, you know your your friendship group whatever it might be can affect your relationships so it's not just the person suffering but their friends and family as well that can also get access to this 24/7 helpline counseling and all those things it's a fantastic charity and they, they do brilliant work Stu, have you got any of the info Sure. Uh, pick up the phone and call 0808 8020 That's 0808 8020 And you can call free on that. Um, other than that, if you want to pop uh, over to the website and talk to someone on the little pop-up box, the website you need to go to is gamcare, that's G-A-M-C-A-R-E, gamcare.org.uk. It's gamcare.org.uk. Ladies and gentlemen, here's John Wayne Parr. John Wayne Parr, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. Are you good? Uh, I'm very good, thank you. It's, uh, yeah, just finished class. It's about uh, just after 9pm here, so yeah. Uh, that's fun living down under. <laughs> yeah. So you've been, uh, you've been like coaching today, training people today? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm very lucky. I own my own gym. Um, I've got about uh, 150 students, uh, about 30 fighters. Um, so yeah, very busy. And then uh, my three kids are all uh, training and compete as well, so... Uh, keeps us on our toes. Wow. So, yeah, it's a good job. It's fun. Fantastic. How old are the kids? Uh, so my uh, oldest daughter, she's 20. She's currently in Las Vegas. Um, she's training there for three months, preparing to uh, uh, for her boxing. So um, she hasn't ever been lined up just as yet, but uh, hopefully being over there and being amongst all the stars, that hopefully um, she, uh, she gets the opportunity to uh, pick up a, a sponsorship somehow or, or a fight offer. So um, uh, she's training with uh, Liam Parrow, who's fighting in San Francisco on uh, uh, Devin Haney undercard. So yeah, wow. massive, massive right, event. Yeah. And uh, uh, Elaine Bridges, uh, Ebony Bridges is going to be going to the gym where Jazzy's yep. training at. And um, hopefully Jazzy can do rounds and she's fighting on the same show as Liam as well and Devin. So uh, massive opportunities for two Aussies 
in San Francisco on a massive event. Uh, yeah, and Jazzy gets to be amongst them and rub shoulders with them all. So very exciting. Fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Fantastic. Well, look, John, when it comes to you, we want to kind of take you back to where your kind of combat sports uh, career began, I guess. And even before that, I, I always like to ask guests that we have on the show kind of where you grew up and if it was a place where you felt like you had to be tough, you had to be able to deal with confrontation very well. So what was that like for you growing up and, and, and did you have to deal with that? Uh, so, uh, if, are you familiar with the movie Karate Kid? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I went to eleven different schools growing up. So, uh, my, wow. uh, we, we were constantly. Uh, I'd be somewhere for a year. All right, and then um, I remember I'd come home, and then I get the old. All right, time to have a sit on the couch. All right, bad bad news. We're uh, we're, we're moving uh, tomorrow. It's like, oh no. So I'd, sometimes you wouldn't even get to say good day to the uh, good, goodbye to the boys. Um, and then you, I was always a new kid. So the whole time, um, just as I started getting a crew, and then I wasn't just moving down the road too. I'd be going interstate every time, so uh, all up and down the east coast of Australia. Uh, and then, yeah, I got to learn to, to be by myself and to, to – I, I, and being an only child too, I knew whatever I wanted in life. It was only up to me. I had no one else but to, to rely on. Uh, so when the opportunity came to um, – I go to Thailand. I think that's what helped me be there so long because I was so used to being in a new place and new people and a new environment that uh, it was just another day. So, yeah, I was very, uh, very fortunate. Tell us a little bit about um, your kind of first sort of ventures into into combat sports before you know i ultimately want to pick up on what you just said there and talk about those those early times in thailand but before you got there tell us about the first time you got involved in combat sports uh so so from the, the moment i can have my earliest memories uh, I, I always wanted to be a fighter uh, we lived on uh, farms uh with horses my parents were horse trainers and jockeys and then um I remember watching a TV show, Monkey Magic, and then uh, the Karate Kid, <laughs> and then uh, I used to practice doing like like crazy cutters by myself. In, I had no idea what I was doing because I was by myself the whole time. Uh, and then eventually, one of the locations we moved to was the city in called Brisbane. Um, it was the first time being in like uh, like having neighbours and being in a suburb. And then there was a Taekwondo school up the road. Um, so in year six, uh, at the age of eleven, I, I started Taekwondo. And I just thought it was the the greatest. And the kids in their geese, and you could hear the snap of your gear as you're doing your punches and your front kicks. Uh, speaking in Korean, counting the ten as you're doing your star jumps, just thinking this is this is the great. And then the old days of the VHSs when you watch um, the guys in Korea all in geese, just all standing in line, hundreds of people. You say, oh, one day I want to go to Korea. That's the dream. Um, oh, I, I want to be one of those guys. I want to be breaking boards. Uh, doing spinning back kicks and stuff, and then uh, unfortunately the uh, the school that I was training at about a year and a half later they ended up closing down. I didn't have enough students. Give them, um, so I was fully lost. So oh, I don't know what to do. Tried to fight different other things, but I I, I just wanted to fight. Oh, sorry. So why I was um, doing I had um had my first competition at eleven uh, as a yellow belt. Uh, so I had three matches in one day. I uh, got to the final. Uh, just lost in the final, got a, a silver medal in uh, for the Queensland State uh, for Taekwondo as yellow belt. So that was the my, the start of uh, competing and getting the taste of competition and um, being successful uh, to be 11 years old and just like, uh, all right, now I'm somebody now. Uh, 
And then, uh, yeah, so then a, a, about uh, six months after the Taekwondo school closed, um, Muay Thai moved into the same the same um, church that we were training out of. Um, very old school with the long pants and uh, karate kickboxy style. Uh, but it was still, it was still, it was just, um, and I was thinking to myself as I started, I said, oh, it's not Taekwondo. I'll, I'll do this until I find another Taekwondo school because um, um, that was my dream. And then, yeah, I started kickboxing. I was like, what is this? Holy jeez, <laughs> this is, wow, we got punches. This is, this changes the game now. Holy crap. And then um, it just so happened at the same time as the, the, I started the kickboxing, the movie Kickboxer came out with Van Damme. Uh, so, whoa, this is my whole new inspiration now. This guy goes to Thailand. And so instead of going to Korea, now my new direction is I've got to go to Thailand. Oh, this is at 13 years old. So my whole dream since 13 was Thailand, Thailand, Thailand. I, I, I want to fight a Tongpo. I want to fight. I want to I wanna experience all of this. Um, so, yes, and then became my hero. Every time I got stuck, what would them do? What would them do? And then, um, yeah, he, uh, it, was, it was crazy. I was just saying I remember that movie I was definitely too young to watch that movie when I watched yeah. it there's a few scenes in there that are not age appropriate for yeah. like children and stuff but I definitely watched it and I, even to this day uh well not to this day but like but me and my brother when we were younger we had bunk beds and one of us would have a football uh, at the top bunk bed, the other one would lie down and we'd go, ready to protect? Yeah. And just drop yeah. the ball on each other's stomach yeah. and just like, oh, I <laughs> loved it. That's awesome. That's so cool. Well, um, John, you, you you went on to, um, uh, you know, fight at a high level in, in, in Australia and then was you 19 when you made the decision to, to move to Thailand? Yes, so um, I had I won my first um, Australian title at seventeen. Uh, I'd had I think it was my fifth or sixth fight, fifth or sixth fight, and then um, won the Australian title. And then the promoter, for some reason, he thought, "All right, you won the Australian title. You're ready for a tie." And I'm like, I was like, "What?" And so um, next minute, I'm the main eventing with five fights, fighting a tie with 100 fights. Uh, I hadn't even had hairs under my arms yet. <laughs> I, I was still just the boy. It was it was rough. So uh, they brought this tie out and I'm um, trying, to, trying to look staunch. So um, I, I just turned 18 by stage. Um, so the bell started. I've come out and I've hit him with a four-punch combo. And I, I couldn't knock the, the top off a custard. custard um, it, was, it, was, it was so bad. And then um, the tie just dropped his hands and smiled at me. And then he put his hands up and just walked forward. And uh, he, uh, I backed up against the ropes and he kicked my thigh so hard that when I fell down, I caught the second bottom rope. And then he doubled the kick up and the second kick went across my jaw and um, knocked me out cold in, in 30 seconds. Um, so I remember the referee, I remember the referee just down about six or seven. And I'm looking up at the lights and the lights are going all over them. And I was like, oh, I think I'm done. I, I I don't really want to get up. I don't want to face that again. Holy! And then I was petrified. I was so scared of ties. I thought, oh man, these guys are next level. They're too scary. And then um, the the following year, moved out of home. Uh, got my own apartment, and then I uh, worked as a bartender. And then I um, had four fights for four wins for four knockouts, I think. And then um, my my sponsor that I had at the time, he oh, that last fight was amazing. You, you showed a lot of heart. Um, I think you have enough potential to go to, to all the way. Um, h- how would you like to go to Thailand and, and learn from the best? I'd love to go to Thailand. So he's like, um, all right, all you got to do is um, if you organize your passport, I'll do the rest. 
So I go down, go to the post office, order the passport. Uh, a week later, the passport comes, go down the shop. Hey, you got passport him. So he grabs me by the wrist. He leads me down to the, about four or five shops where there's a travel agent. Uh, I want one six-month ticket for my my, my friend here. Um, so, and then he looked at me and goes, okay, you got to promise me six months. You, you can't come back. Um, I'll organize your camp, your, somewhere to stay, uh, your food. I'll do everything. All you got to do is um, um, promise me six months. Uh, so, yeah, so we went over there, had five fights, five wins, uh, four knockouts. I uh, came back to Australia again, uh, lost. I started working at my, my sponsor's uh, restaurant. I'm picking up the plates and washing dishes and um, still training, still hoping something will pop up. And then the, the Thai camp rang my sponsor, said, hey, any chance you're going to send me back to Thai? We think he's got um, massive potential. So uh, this, this time, my, Rich is like, okay, this time you've got to promise you one year. Right, six months was cute. They, they, they got your foot in the door. Now you've been there. You got one year. So, yeah, yeah, I got it one year. So uh, yeah, go back again, and then um, it just so happened three weeks after going back again, uh, Sanctin, who, who was the superstar of our camp, uh, he he had a massive fight in the country. Um, so what happens in Thailand? Um, the sponsor gets paid by TV, so he doesn't need the ticket gate money. So he'll do a show in the middle of a field somewhere, and like thirty, forty thousand people come all for free. And then on TV, it looks insane. It looks mad. It was so crazy. Uh, and people would drive for like three, four hours to come and watch superstars fight when they're close to their town. Um, so we go out to this place. And then uh, they, they're supposed to be uh, Danny Bill from uh, France. He was supposed to fight on the show, but he didn't rock up. And then at the weigh-in, the promoter was like, oh, no, what are we going to do? I've told the now mayor that there's going to be Western on the show, and I've got money off the, every, off the government. And, uh, what? and then my trainer puts his hands up because goes, I'll go and fight. I'm like, what? He goes, he'll fight. He's he, he's pretty good. And then um, the opponent's looking at me, going, "Uh, does any ties in the room want to fight that guy?" And and about thirty hands going, like, oh, 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 "No." So uh, what, the promoter gets everyone to come and stand beside me to see who was like the closest in height and weight. And said, "All right, so all right, you two, you're you're a match for tomorrow." Oh, yeah, cool. And then um yeah shit myself and this is uh they had forty thousand people that day forty thousand in in the at the crowd and then um had a five round war got cut in the fifth still come back and um yeah uh, dominated the fight uh and then the promoters like holy shit that was amazing you're so good um I, I want to sign you to my he was the number one promoter in Thailand um I want to sign you to my uh, promotion uh, from this moment forward you're gonna be one of my boys. And uh, that year, I ended up having uh, nine fights for seven wins and uh, making the front covers of the magazines and fighting in Lumpini and uh, fighting in front of 100,000 people on the King's Birthday for the first time. Uh, I think about seven of those fights were live on Thai TV as well. So, uh, And then, yeah, getting recognition, running down the street, and people would like flash their lights and beat their horns. And, and, um, so where I lived in Thailand, uh, I was the only Westerner. So I imagine... Was, was, this, when you was, in, was this when you was in Bangkok? Yeah, this is a place yeah. called Nantabri. Um, It's about an hour by ferry to Lumpini. Um, so I, I was the only white dude. So I go months, I go months and months and months without seeing another white, another white person. So I, I had to become one of them because um, no one could speak English. Uh, a couple of people speak like a little bit broken stuff, but if, uh, I could only do hand signals for so long before I, I really needed to, to learn how to talk. So. So every day I try and learn five words. I, I, I ask questions. What's this? Uh, what's that? Uh, what's this? Uh, what's, and then uh, at nighttime I go over those five words. And then um, the next day, new five words. All right. So what's this? 
And then uh, I'd hear, I'd get yelled at at training and I'd start working out what the words are for the training and kicking and punching. And then, um, oh, so when I was bored, um, being in, in, back then, uh, living in a camp, only white guy with 10 other fighters. Uh, so to, there was no internet, no phones. Uh, it was old school. So once training, uh, training was done, it was like I had, had to occupy myself. So this would be the the CD that would play in the background all the time. So I go down to the music shop, I, I'd buy the song, the CD, sorry, I take it back, and then I, I press play, pause, and then with a pen and a paper, I'd write in English what I heard, what I think the song would say. So pom, uh, P O M, Dongan, D O N G, uh, and then I, I remember that I, I remember it like um, a karaoke. So then when we used to go to karaoke bars and stuff, I, I, I'd put a request in. But the only dude, I'd be the only, only, only white guy in the whole club too, only white guy. And the dude like handed, look at me going, are you sure? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I It'd be a live band and no one would be on the dance floor. And then uh, my song would start. And as soon as I started hitting the notes, like a couple of people would come out, another couple more people. Next minute, the dance floor would be rocking. And then uh, by the time I finished my song, the, the, the guy that was hosting the karaoke, he's like, hey, do you know any more songs? I know the whole album. Do you know any more? Like, sure, let's go. So yeah, now I did like three or four songs in a row. It was amazing. It was so much fun, especially I was only like 19, 20 years old then too. So um, I thought, oh, when I retire, I want to be a rock and roll singer. Uh, this is my calling. So, yeah. What a great way to learn a language. That is oh, absolutely so, fantastic. So the, the worst part was I was singing songs, but I didn't know what I was singing. It wasn't until later that I knew I found out, oh, that's what that means. Ah, I get it now. Yeah, so it, it was quite peculiar. For your popularity in Thailand, do you think it was of benefit being a Westerner, or do you oh, think yeah. that there was more obstacles to overcome because you were a Westerner? Uh, at the time... There was only probably three, four Westerners that were uh, well known in the nineties. Uh, Danny Bill, uh, Raymond Dickers, uh, myself. Skibelsi came a little bit after me. Um, who else? Oh, yeah, there was hardly anyone, so it was really easy to shine. But me, Dickers, and Danny, um, and we definitely stood out. Uh, and then because I was winning too, um, that definitely. Um, uh, open, open more opportunities. Also, um, yeah, it was, um, and then and then my uh, Ramoy also added a different flavor as well. I was the first one to introduce uh, shooting a gun at my opponent, and, and given the, yeah. the cowboy theme, so that that helped me get. Um, yeah, I used to get a uh, standing ovation at the end of my Ramoy's and a uh, majority of my fights over there as well. It was crazy. I, I'd be fighting a Thai in Thailand. And I get a bigger rapport after my Ramoy than, than the Thai would. It was it was so much, it was so cool. Even on the King's birthday, about a hundred thousand people. That's just because uh, for anyone that, that's listening to this that doesn't know, because it's predominantly an MMA, MMA podcast. What, what you're talking about there is like the traditional dance that that you yeah. would do before a fight. Is that right? Uh, yeah. And you would pull out a, a, a pretend like to pull out a gun at the end of it. And shoot your opponent because your nick that because your your name isn't actually John Wayne, is it? It you no, no, that was given just, to you. Yeah, my name's just Wayne. And then um, uh, before my, my first fight in Thailand, the the the, the Thai camp owner's like, oh, "What are we in a Koya?" Ah, ah. And he said, um, "What's what's your history?" I said, oh, my, "My parents are horse trainers and uh, jockeys." Oh, so you're like a cowboy? Um, <laughs> so you get John Wayne? You're John Wayne? I'm thinking, oh no, that sucks so bad. Um, and I said, oh. 
And then I, and then I back home in Australia, I, I wanted to be um, Wayne the Punisher Pa. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's got a nice ring to it. And then, um, and then I thought, oh, well, I'll just use John Wayne in Thailand. And then when I get back to Australia, I'll keep being the Punisher again. And then um, I went and got freaking famous. And then the name stuck. So I can't, I can't <laughs> shake it now. Freaking, I'm screwed. <laughs> Tell us a, a little bit because was the name given to you by by um, Paul and, and, and the family that you was living with at the time? And can you tell us a little yes, bit yes. about the impact that they had on your career? Oh yeah, it was amazing. Uh, so, so I, I trained at a, a gym called Sigitong in pa- uh, Pattaya for three months first, and then I had the opportunity to go to Bangkok. Uh, uh, Sangtan Noi, who was the superstar of our camp in uh, Bangkok, um, he came to Australia, and then he fought at the local casino here on the Gold Coast, and then he met my sponsor, and my sponsor took care of him for the whole week. They were here, bringing them food, giving them pocket money, taking them to uh, the zoos and. Um, just showing a really good time, and then to, uh, to um, hopefully um, uh, to pay back the favor if they could take the Westerner on their camp. And, and at that, in the 90s, um, Thais didn't want camps, uh, Westerners in their gyms. Uh, we, we were considered the enemy. Um, they didn't want to teach Westerners because we would learn their secrets to beat them at their own sport. So, yeah, they, they, yeah so only like a handful of um, camps accepted the Westerners. And, they, and the way the thing was, like nah, we don't nah. And then luckily Richard kept begging them, and then um yeah, um, they eventually they folded. So when I rocked up to that city, like I said, when I was only Westerner, um, it was so peculiar, like walking down the street and going into the camp and um, getting shown around. Uh, are, you, are you familiar with my um, living uh, quarters? Did I have you seen the photos of that, mate? That's crazy. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. So but I tell us as much about floor. it as you can. Yeah, I slept on a wooden floor for four years. Um, I, I put down a, like a, a blanket on the floor, then I slept on top of the blanket for a little bit of support. Um, uh, so uh, uh, we didn't have a sit-down toilet. Uh, we had a squat toilet. And then because of the piping, we couldn't have toilet paper. So we used to have a, this big basin beside our squat toilet with a plastic a tub. 
and then you'd pour the water into your hand to, to wipe your bum. And then um, when you wanted the shower, we didn't have any hot water or a shower, so we used the same blue container to w- wet our body, lather up with soap, then use the same blue container to rinse off. And then to brush our teeth in the morning, um, we use the same blue container to pour water into our, ha- our mouth to, to spit out the, um, uh, the toothpaste. So the one blue container sharing it with 10 different dudes that are all pooping and showering and brushing teeth and Jesus. who knows what else oh. is going on with our blue. Yeah, and somehow or another we um, didn't get sick. So, um, uh, and then we train uh, three hours in the morning, uh, three and a half hours, sometimes four hours in the afternoon. Uh, and then majority of the time it was six days. And then every now and again, our training used to go on these things where we'd go like uh, seven days a week for like three months at a time. So so Sunday would come, you train through Sunday. When Monday hit, you'd be so depressed because you know you got a whole week ahead of you without any breaks or any any time to uh, let your body recover. Uh, and then every session you're expected to train harder than yesterday. So it's just brutal. Um, every every fight that I had over there, um, I think to myself, this is the last one. I, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Um, last one. And then I, I had my fight and I'd win. I'd fight on TV. I'd make the magazine. I'd be in the t- the, the paper. And then I was like, oh, one more, one more. And then I get halfway through camp. I'm done. I'm done. This is it. And then I win again. So, and then that just kept right. I went in for um, four years uh, before I finally uh, I got a shin infection. And then um, I had to uh, come back to Australia again because, uh, yeah, that, uh, I, I woke up one morning and, and from my knee to my ankle was like blistering pink. And there's this massive lump on my shin. I've gone downstairs and I've showed Sengten. He goes, oh, I know what this is. Uh, we've got to go get, get you to the hospital. So I've gone to the hospital. We're, we're seeing the nurse. She looked at my leg. She goes, oh, I know what this is. This is going to be really painful. Um, I'll take you to the doctor. Let's see the doctor. I know what this is. This is going to be really painful. It's like, fucking stop saying that already. I, can, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to hurt. It's going to suck. So stop saying it. And then um, so they, they they put my leg over like a, a steel trough. Um, and I said, well, we, we can't give you any local anesthetic because um, the, the shin is so swollen. Um, so what we're going to do, we're going to use some some cold magic spray and that's going to freeze the area. And then we're going to lance your shin to get out the infected blood. Oh, cool. Um, so so we're gonna, the, the, the spray is really cold. So we're going to do it on the count of three. So ready? One, two. And they, they cut me before they got the three because they didn't want me to be ready for the – and then all this blood had poured out of my shin. And then um, – and then uh, it was as deep as my second knuckle on my pinky. So I could put all – I could almost put my thing. And then uh, – so for two months, I have to go to the hospital every single day to get the uh, dressing um, changed and, and clean uh, in case of infection. So, yeah, so was, uh, that, that forced me to go back to Australia. Then, and then once I got to Australia, I thought, oh – I'd spent four years in Thailand. It might, might be time to come back now and, and settle back home. Um, and that's when I was lope, lucky enough to open the gym and in 99. And then, uh, yeah, been successful since. So. And then, yeah, so pretty, pretty much since the time I've been back, um, I've been my own boss too. So every time I get a fight, I'll talk to the promoter. I'll get, I'll match make my own fight. Uh, I'll work out my own prize money. Um, I'll, I'll ring my mates. Uh, I'll, can you come and I'll pass me? I'll watch my opponent. I'll make my own game plan. I'll tell my pad holder how the pad's held. Um, and then if I lose, then it's my fault. But if I win, that's up to me too. So, um, yeah. And then there's no middleman either. I don't, I don't have to pay for someone to manage me or 
or, or to betray me or I, I just um I, I have enough uh drive to wake up every morning. I don't need someone to push me to get out of bed to, to run ten Ks, um, to do my pads, to do my sessions, to um yeah, it's um, I've been very fortunate how it's all um worked out. You, you um I heard you say earlier when you was talking about um, getting sort of match made for some of your early fights. Um, can you talk us through a little bit about the the, the culture that you experiencing? So I heard you say um, that the 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 promoters would come in and literally grab you and and fill you up and down to sort of go, yep, yep, he's he's in, he's all right. And that the people that were gambling on you would come in and literally sort of fill you like a racehorse and kind of get the measure of whether to bet on you. Is that true? 100%. That's crazy. All the time. Bloody hell. Uh, uh, even your own opponent might come up and look you up and down, touch, touch your bicep, and then, oh, very strong. Like, try and play head games with you as well. Oh, me, 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 no good. You, oh, you're so strong. <laughs> uh, yeah, just uh, mm. try and mess with you. Uh, but, yeah, you, over there, you're just a piece of horse. You just look like a horse. Uh, you get go to the, like, my parents, instead of, except for I'm the, I'm the animal, this one. Um, you train, yeah, you eat, sleep, train, just like the horse. You go to the racetrack, you, you compete, you go back to the stable. Um, that was life um, and then all the betting as well so the betting that definitely makes you feel like a horse also because you're just a, a piece of meat that to make everyone else in the crowd money yeah it's, it's full on because gam- gambling culture within Muay Thai is, is rife isn't oh, it it's a, then, it's a, um, it's a huge part in, of it in the camps it? too in the camps too so, so you're the product of that camp so it was nothing to see um, kids getting punched in the face and Pure brutality if they didn't um, train to 100% of their potential. Uh, if they lost their fight to, uh, to watch the, I, I couldn't watch, I, I'd run into my rude and high, but I could still hear the kid getting um, slapped around. It's called round six. And there's actually a sign at Lumpini Stadium, um, a big sign in uh, big tie letters, and my friend explained to me, it says, uh, do not beat your boxer until you get back home because it looks bad in front of the Westerners. And so that's the camp, yeah, wow. the camp beating their it's own fighter because he lost. Oh, yeah. It's like um, when they get back to the camp, um, if the kid was a little bit scared, the, the trainer will like, smash him in the in the room and say, all right, who are you going to be scared of? Me, your opponent. Uh, you get the pick. Yeah, If you lose again, you're going to get it again. So that kid, that's a little bit of an incentive to try hard next time, I think. Wow. I don't think I, I would have, I would have been like, thanks very much. I'm off. I'm scared of everyone. <laughs> I'm going to go and just start work in an office or something. That's what I'll be doing. I'll go and do that. So, so but, as, as an EG, as an EG, let's say um, middle of the day. Yeah. Everyone's resting. You get a knock on the gate and there'll be the mum and dad with their seven year old kid with a little backpack on. And then the, the, the owner of the camp will come out. And the parents say, hey, look, I've got five kids. I, I can't afford I'm We're starving. You, can you play, please take this, our child to be one of your boxes? And then uh, they're trying to look him up and down, feel his little arms. Yeah, sure. So he'll, the, the Lakita wise parents, and then um, from that moment forward, the parents walk away, and they might not come back for 10 years. They might not see him again. And then um, he, that kid becomes property of that camp from that moment forward. He'll take on the camp's name as his last name. So let's say Boonshu, the kid might be Stephen Boonshu from now on. So he's lost his own identity. He's just uh, the the camp 
And then he's got to learn how to fight. He's 70 years old. He's never done a day training in his life. All right. And then um, the first week, he'll cry every night. And then uh, where are his brothers now? That's right, little buddy. Um, we got you. You're part of our family. We're all here together. Um, so we'll take him for a run. We'll try and encourage him and get him on the pads, show him how to roll his hips when he kicks. And about a month later, um, every fight you get paid in Thailand. So even the first kids, have, they might make 500 bucks, like 20 bucks, 25 bucks. But um, it's something. And then all of a sudden you get five or 10 fights and all of a sudden you got, you got it. And over in Thailand as well, you have to pay for your own education. So the, the kid will fight and save enough prize money to buy his own school uniform, to buy his own books, to buy his own uh, tuition through the, the school monthly fees. Um, yeah, all on his own back from us. So from the seven-year-old, he's already a man. Um, and then and then once the camp does put him into school, so he'll train maybe two hours in the morning, shower, uh, breakfast, school clothes, school all day, come back from school, slip off his school clothes, put on his trainers, put on his runners, and within 10 minutes of being home, he's at the door on a 6K run. And then he'll train for the next three hours. And then on the weekends, he has to train harder because he doesn't have to go to school. All right, so he's free day to day, no school, so he can train for an extra hour in the morning, extra hour in the afternoon as well. So, yeah, and then they do it too. And then, um, so we had one kid in our camp. He was he was 10 years old with 100 fights. Um, because at a younger age, they don't hit as hard, so you don't get as damaged. So you might fight Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. And then um, and then they get 500 bucks, 500 bucks, or 500 bucks, sorry. So by the end of the week, you're making nearly as much as an adult um, in, in their normal wages, especially if you do it every week. Um, so yeah, 100 fights at 10. And then if you're lucky enough to be one of the, the superstars of the sport, by 15, um, you could be earning um, three or four times the average adult's wage um, through through fighting. So the potential is there to become a, a superstar, all accounting to the, the kids' potential and how much will they want to have the – and they want it too. Like it's not like they're forced upon it. Like the kids buy the magazines and they they put the posters up on the wall. And this is my inspiration now. I want to be this guy because then they, they know the money's there. They, they know they can get out of um, poverty by through punching faces. That's just. I mean, you've sort of blown my mind with that. To be honest, because you know, f- from someone that, that doesn't necessarily come from that kind of background and hasn't seen that firsthand, it's like, how do you drop your kid off and and allow that to happen? But then you're talking about a completely different uh, situation. Right? If, if you've got so many kids and, and they're and you're starving, you can't provide for them. One of, one of the questions I wanted to ask you uh, going into this was that I feel like combat sports through some sections of society. Are still kind of is still kind of looked down on. Like I work in the arts industry a lot, and combat sports is not really. It can be looked down on, I think. And I think that hearing a story like that, what I wanted to ask you was, do do um, what does what do you think the benefits are that combat sports provides society? But you've just said something there where you're like, these young kids have gone from starvation or their families to, to, to potentially earning huge sums of money and, and better and so on, putting themselves through school, which sounds incredible. Oh, and they're fighting on TV. They're making the magazines. Um, they can go out and get a nice car. They get the chain. They get the super, they got the, um, or the superstar. That's, that's a good a professional athlete as well. So you've got that yeah. stigma. But the only thing is, once you retire, and um, a lot of the kids don't get the education and uh, 
the superstar one minute, next minute you're a bouncer, a taxi driver, a tuk tuk driver the next. There's no there's no uh, pension, there's no um retirement thinking it's, uh, there's always gonna be a next fight until there's not. Uh and then you're like, Oh shit, I should have saved. <laughs> uh, but uh so so like you said before, you're on the arts. So what I do is a martial art. I'm an artist also. I'm an artist and uh, my my I get to express my art through my fighting um, to make it as most beautiful and as fluent and to flow from a combination until um, uh, my competitor, no one's to have the will to fight me back anymore and, and submit. So, um, yeah, my, my, my art is my violence. And, and then you took that art onto mainstream more mainstream television with the contender series and 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 obviously you know i'm of an age where i grew up watching the 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 sugar ray leonard contender series uh and then to see that there was a muay thai one was fantastic and talk us through the impact that had on your career and if you don't mind talk us about that talk through that incredible and what we know is for you to be a a very emotional fight um going into that fight with uh, yodson clyde uh, yes. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, I seen the commercials on the on the YouTube. Uh, I seen they were gonna uh, do a Muay Thai contender. So oh man, that'd be so cool. And then uh, a week before they started filming, um, I got a phone call saying, "Hey, such and such has dropped out. Um, do you do you want to enter? Um, we have already have like two other Aussies on there, but um, uh, there's an opportunity. So only a week's notice. I said, like, "Yeah, sure. I'll jump in. I'll, 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 I'll crack." Um, so in there, a couple of days later, I was on the plane. Uh, we all met in the, in the Singapore hotel and, uh, we didn't know who was on the show, but as you walk around the foyer, you're looking around everybody and you start realizing, oh, he looks like, he looks pretty tough. He looks like somebody. And then you start seeing your single eye and say, oh, okay. And then before you know it, we're within a, uh, we were there a week before we started filming the show to do the, the title of the show and all the photo shoots and all the, all the pre stuff. And then um, uh, we all started hanging out in the foyer and started to know each other. And um, there's a gentleman on the show from France called Rafik. And uh, he, was, he was very rude and very arrogant, even in the, before the show had started. And then uh, one day, one of the boys had a, a laptop. And uh, we're watching fights from Thailand. And then all of a sudden, Rafik from France, he's like, when you fight the Thais, you, you cannot show them any respect. You have to hit them. You have to treat them just like a normal person. Uh, they feel pain just like everybody. And, and yeah, you've been on for this 10 minute, 10 minute thing. And I was like, oh, uh, how, how many Thais are you for? Yes, I have fought three. Three. Um, after this half an hour frigging speech, it's like, oh, I, I fought like 40 of them. Goes, yes, yes, yes. But you, you do not understand. I fought this guy and this guy and this guy. So that is almost equivalent to for you also. Said, no, it's not. It's almost like three. Um, three, three, man. You fought, yeah, you fought three. <laughs> and then, um, and then uh, so uh, one of the days we had to do a photo shoot. Uh, as we're driving to the photo shoot, uh, uh, the, the, we're in Singapore. Uh, the driver's, the phone rings, he's on his phone. So the, the French guy goes through, it's only me and the French guy, me and the French guy and the driver. So we're in the back. And then the French guy goes through his bag. He, he gets a CD. He leans over the front seat, ejects whatever's in there, puts his own CD on, sees the guys on his phone. So he turns it up. And it's like, oh, what are you doing? 
who, who the hell are you, man? What's going on? He just, he just took over and he just thought he was a shit. Uh, and then on the show, he was like the biggest dickhead. Um, all he could talk about was how he won the rematch. You'd think he'd, he'd fought you'd think like before, and you'd think like smashing. And then, um, yeah, so he was, he was, he made the show what it was because of his so, so arrogant. And um, he, every, every reality show needs an evil guy for people to hate, and he was the guy yeah. which made the show successful. And too, so yeah, I was very lucky to to be the one to choose him to fight him to get him off the show, which um, yeah, it made me very proud at the time. And then, um, yeah, so I ended up having over. Over an eight-week period. No, sorry. How long was it? Yeah, eight, eight weeks. Eight weeks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com, code GLOW. We shot uh, uh, 14 episodes and then um, we had there's a six month break and then and then we had a uh, by that stage that gave me a, a chance to edit the whole show uh, uh, air the show and then there was a live final in, in Singapore in front of about uh, 10,000 people so by that stage everyone knew the characters everyone knew the storylines um, everyone watched the build up and then they had me and your single line in the final was um yeah, it was, it was it was really surreal. It was very um, very cool. Man, and in between that six months too, I fought Cosmo Alexander and beat him for the WMC World Title as well. So so I was keeping busy as we were um, preparing. Uh, oh yeah, and then the sad part was uh, as I was just about to compete in the final, I discovered my dad got a uh, terminal cancer. So that was really um, a tough predicament to be in because. Uh, yeah, just watching him fade away into nothing and then um, 
dropping uh, in and saying goodbye on the way to the airport to go to Singapore to fight. And then uh, being on the plane for eight hours and having that realization, that time to myself, seeing how sick he was and um, how important it was that I, I was successful because this was it. He was not going to last much longer. And, um, and uh, if I if I didn't get the win, it would have really sucked. So, um, yeah, so it went out there and then I got dropped round one. And I thought, oh, fuck, I, I've got to get up because I, that's why I can't lose. Uh, and then round two, I get dropped again. It's like, oh, man, get up. This is really, really bad. And then, um, yeah, fought, fought really hard in the third, the fourth, and the fifth. But uh, I've been dropped twice. And then uh, it was just uh, one of those ones where didn't didn't win, but uh, didn't get knocked out. So and it put up a good fight after two knockdowns. So um, apparently it had over like 500 million viewers across the world. Um, and uh, the wow. impact it had here, in, even in Australia, um, they flew me down to Sydney. I got to shoot the commercials for it. And it was on, a, on a, one of our big family channels. It wasn't one on the sports channel. It was on a, on a family channel. So for, for 15 weeks, um, we're in everyone's lounge rooms across Australia. It was, uh, it was really, really cool. Uh, grandmas would come up to me and shop and tap me on the shoulder and say, I'm cheering for you, Johnny. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and just, because it wasn't the normal, it was really bizarre. Because I, I'd fought on Fox Sports so many times, and then Muay Thai doesn't really get the exposure that like other sports do. So to get recognition from people in the street was really um, bizarre. But it was really cool. And then, um, yeah, so uh, what happened after that? Um, what do you, it, yeah, it, it just yeah, things are th- things are really cool. What, something that I didn't know uh, that I only found out sort of, uh, preparing uh, for for this interview. Um, it sounded like you got a taste for for TV because am I right in saying that you applied to go on the Ultimate Fighter? Ah uh, no, no no no. Uh, I, I, I was thinking about it and then. Um, uh, I'm not sure what happened. I can't quite recall. I think I think you needed uh, two or three um, MMA fights first before you were eligible to be um, entered onto the yeah. show. But but my my career was going anyway. I didn't I didn't need to go into the ultimate fight. Um, I, I was so busy with my Muay Thai fights. Yeah, um, yeah. I, and then uh, they like, as when the UFC kicked off and started being like. Um, the, the new thing and I'd already committed so long to Muay Thai and being in Thailand for so long um, and I didn't want to start at White Belt again and being learning how to uh, yeah just it, it, it was too much commitment yeah. to, the, to swap the teams and, and uh, lucky for me um, uh, one championship started in, and then that really raised the bar to uh, with the with the cage Muay Thai, so they give the opportunity because they were, they were just pure MMA there for a little while, and then once they started incorporating the kickboxing, all of a sudden the kickboxing was an opportunity to to finally have a platform yeah. to shine for the for the world stage and um and, and to make us kickboxers household names as well, not just the MMA yeah. So I'm I'm so fortunate that um uh one has done for for us for us uh, normal people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you mentioned one championship. There was talk of a fight a little while ago, but I just want to bring up that I, I and I apologize for my Wikipedia based research that may be wrong here, but it says on your uh, Wikipedia page that you have 99 kickboxing wins. I don't know if that's including your Muay Thai or whatever it is, but it says 99. And I always yes. think to myself, 
oh, you're one one away from a hundred. <laughs> Why don't you do like a a Floyd Mayweather? And do like, you know, just fight somewhere. You know you're going to win <laughs> just to get the 100 or something like that. But the yeah. other thing that came up was a little while ago, we were speaking to Dan Hardy. And there was talk at one point of you fighting Dan Hardy, maybe in like a, 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 a one championship cage. Obviously, he's with the PFL now, I think. Not necessarily as a fighter, but but uh, uh, working with the PFL very closely in different capacities. Um what what was there ever anything serious about this Dan Hardy fight? Or would that be something that interests you? Oh, for sure. If, if the opportunity arose, um, yeah, I'd love to do a celebrity fight with Dan. It'd be really cool. Um, I've had 14 pro boxing fights, uh, 11 wins, 10 knockouts. Um, I, I like boxing. Uh, it, it, if the opportunity came between Muay Thai and jumping from either MMA or boxing, I'd definitely go the boxing route because I'm... Uh, yep. Um, either gentleman for me with... Um, uh, Tempin bowling, yeah, yeah. Um, so I do a lot of my training um, Tempin bowling because I'm really good at striking. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Did that just happen? Did that just happen? Oh wow! <laughs> I think a lead balloon has just dropped. Um, we um we 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 also know that um. We know that you're a big fan of of, of MMA and, and the UFC. Um, talk us a little bit about what it was like to to, to go and train with GSP. Oh, GSP, he's a man. He was so cool. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I did uh, I did ten seminars in ten days um, all around Canada. Um, got the go all, all over the state. Um, it was really cool. And then uh, I had after ten seminars, I had two days before I was going to get back to Australia again. And the gentleman that brought me over, he's like, oh, what are we going to do? Have we any kill time? So ah, I've never been here. I have no idea. And he's like, oh, do you know George? Do you, um, are, you, are you a fan of George St. Pierre? Um, would you like to meet him? I'd love to meet him. That'd be, that'd be insane. He goes, oh, um, they're in Mon- we're, we're in Ottawa. And then Montreal was about two or three hours away from where we were. So uh, let me make a phone call. So they rang Faraz from uh, TriStar. And Faraz said, hey, Tomorrow is Muay Thai sparring day. Does John Wayne want to jump in and do some rounds? Sure. So, um, yeah, the next day we jump in the car, we drive to Montreal, uh, get to the Star, and then walking through the gym. Um, everyone was rolling before the Muay Thai started. So just watching everyone roll and uh, the caliber of um, – I'd never seen uh, no gi rolling before in my whole life. And, and to see how just like 50 – different dudes on the mats and just the, the environment in there is like whoa this is real now <laughs> and then um and i've seen george come in the room he's like, holy shit and then everyone's putting their shin pads and gloves on and um started boxing and then fraz has the big board and he goes all right so george you're gonna spar doing i'm like holy fuck <laughs> um <laughs> so uh like a like a little schoolgirl, uh i put my hand out to touch george's and i said oh Hey, I'm such a big fan. I'm such a big fan. I'm I can't believe this is happening. This is amazing. Oh, my God. And he's just looking at me going, oh, he's, 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 look who the fuck's this guy. And then um, the round started. And then uh, I was really cautious of George's uh, jab because I seen him fight Jake Shields. And, he, and his jab was on the money that night, that fight. So I, oh. so I was watching very, very carefully. And um, so George threw a jab. So I parry, threw a kick, a check. Um and then about 30 seconds in, I thought, oh, fuck it. I'll have, I'll have a crack. 
So I just went forward and threw combinations. The next minute, I'm, I'm pretty much chasing George from one end of the cage to the other end of the cage, <laughs> backwards again. And then uh, at one stage, he, he threw a lazy jab. So I, I've parried it, and I've used the momentum from the parry to, to put my shin on top of his neck. And then, uh, and then I just left it there. And it was like one of those old westerns where everyone, where you walk into the saloon and the music starts playing and everyone's like, <laughs> and then, uh, um, and then I, I slowly just bring my leg down. And then uh, the round, the rounds. Of, I did win up doing two rounds. Uh, one round boxing, one round Muay Thai. And I was part a couple of other dudes in the gym as well, which is really cool. And then um, after the round, George comes up and I say, "Oh, I just want to thank you for um, not knocking me out with that head kick because anyone else." That would have been their claim to fame that they, they've come in, but you just, you just place it there. So, oh, no, it's okay. Uh, I, I just wanted to show you that I could. Um, yeah, that's, that's no worries. Um, so, so we did some photos and everything was done, and I went back to Australia. And then about six months later, I was in front of the computer and the phone called, and I, I see an international number, and, and it was Faraz from Tristar. And he said, hey, I'm just sitting beside George. Um, uh, we're still talking about your spa. Um, with George is going to fight Johnny Hendricks in 12 weeks is it okay to come back to Montreal and chain, train George personally um, one-on-one and uh, say so, hang on uh, so I'm like, hey Angie can I go to Canada and train George said, yeah sure <laughs> um, yeah I guess <laughs> and then uh, two days later uh, caught the plane to Canada and then um, and then uh, I get and George was waiting for me in the, at the airport He's like, hey, I'm like, hey. I was like, fucking hell. It's George St. Pierre. And then, um, yeah, we, we, we jump in the car. We drive to the hotel. On the way to the hotel, he goes, oh, I've put you up at a really nice place where I like to keep all my trainers like Freddie Roach and uh, all my sparring partners and stuff. So you, you really like it. It's really nice. And then um, so we, we, we train for one-on-one for a week in uh, Montreal. And then um, just out of the blue, um, George like, hey, you ever been to New York? Oh, I've never been. You want to go? Uh, yeah. He get, brings the thing next, the travel agent. Um, within like two hours, we're going to the airport. Next minute, we're, we're in New York for a week training at uh, Renzo Gracie's in, in, in the, the blue basement with uh, John Danaher for, for a whole wow. week. Um, it was insane. It was so cool. Uh uh, and then um, George, George would go out and, and we'd wake up. So, so during the mornings, I'd have free time. I'd go and watch the statue with me. He'd jump on the ferry or or go and go on these adventures in New York, and then train George personally in the morning and watch him roll with John Donahue in the afternoons. And it was it was just like the, the coolest um, the coolest week ever. So, so how's this? So there, I, I, uh, one day we've been in uh, Ottawa for a week. And about two or three days in New York, um, John then here sitting there watching our session. And then after the session, um, John comes up and he goes, um, I, I can't believe how much you've changed George in such a short amount of time. Like the way that he's hitting the pads now and, the, and his um, composure, um, his balance, everything, uh, it's, it's so impressive. It's, like, oh, no, 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 it's really cool. But the only thing was, um, because there was still 10 weeks between the time I left back to Australia and the fight, um, George sort of sit back into his own fight style again. And then um, I remember I got a I got a message from a lady randomly on the computer saying, "Hey, are you, were you going to go to MGM uh, to watch George compete against John Hendricks?" So unfortunately, um, I'm, I'm not on the team. Uh, he's already got his own corner. So to, if I was to go in the corner, that means he'd have to kick somebody off. 
and they've been with the team for so long that uh, he, he's not. So, uh, so I'm just going to cheer for him in Australia. She goes, oh, that's that's not good enough. You you deserve to be there after everything you did to George. Um, I think you should be there. Um, I'd like to offer you a free plane ticket to go to New uh, to go to Las Vegas and watch him compete. Uh, sure, uh, that sounds yeah. And then within ten, you went Isla Window. I said, like, "Holy shit, are you really serious?" She goes, oh, "I'm doing it right now." She goes, "Oh, you wouldn't believe it. If I book my ticket right now, I can get you two free nights at the MGM also. So I've booked that for you as well." I was like, "Holy shit!" So um, I went online and then I got uh, two uh, $500 tickets uh, for, to, to pay her back for at least I could do. Um, she was a, a, a scientist in Texas at the time. Um, I said, hey, I bought you a ticket. Um, can you be my guest at least to sit and watching George? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, so next minute uh, we get to the venue, get to the gym. I hand the two $500 tickets to the usher. Um, she starts walking up the stairs. Again, walking, 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 walking. We're about five rows from the top. She goes, there you go. I said, oh, no, there's some sort of mistake. These are $500 tickets. Uh, no, these are the right tickets. You're sitting right there. It's like like 500 bucks. And um, yeah, the, the fighters look like ants. You had to watch the screens the whole time because they were, were so far away. But um, yeah, just to be there and be in the crowd and uh, watching watching George fight Hendrix was a uh, uh, a little bit disappointing because what we'd worked on and what happened during the fight were two different things. And um, because Johnny was a southpaw, I was trying to get uh, uh, George to move away from his power hand and um, uh, implement different um, leads. Uh, but it ended up being a, a very close fight where a majority of people um, thought he might have lost. I thought he won. I thought uh, after four rounds it was two-two. Everyone the fifth, and I thought George did enough to win that. Um, but yeah, it was. He made it a lot harder fight than it should have been. Like if he had a um, just stuck to our fundamentals, but um, it, it was it was still still an amazing event. It was very 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 cool to be a part of. Fantastic! I have to know who was this woman that just got you the the tickets yeah, and just, the the, it just, the, it was the just flights and everything. Bizarre, uh, random. Just uh, I'm very lucky. My <laughs> life is like a. Uh, uh, um, so you want to hear another funny story? Just a GSP yeah, fan. No, no, I jumped way in. Um, just randomly, hey, you deserve to be there, so here you go. So, oh. uh, I, I, wow, I, this is this is what happens in my life. Um, so I, my my hip was almost um, cactus. I couldn't walk. I couldn't wait there. Uh, I didn't have any money to to get the operation like, to go through private. I had to go through um, the normal system, and it would have been like a two year wait. So I was training these people, and then um, I, I was hobbling around holding pads with them. And he goes, oh, when are you going to get that fixed? Ah, oh, look, I'm going to go through the public system, so it could be a while. He goes, uh, what about it's a buy paper for you? Um, can you get me some quotes? So, uh, okay. So I talked to this guy. I talked to the surgeon. It was going to be twenty seven thousand. Like, Fuck. So I didn't. I didn't want to tell the guy it was uh, twenty seven. So I just told him it was twenty. Uh, all right. Can you can you can you send me the invoice then? So I sent him the twenty. Uh, invoice and then um, I was going to pay the other seven because I felt too bad so I paid the other seven and then the next day I seen him say hey good news I paid for that invoice I paid that 20 and then I, I scrolled down and I seen there was two more so I paid for them as well so I paid the whole 27 I said oh no I've already paid that seven I said oh get your money back um, so I contacted the hospital I said oh look I'm accidentally so within a couple I've got my seven grand back 
So I, I got a free hip. Um, and then I was back fighting um, <laughs> uh, nine, months, nine months after surgery. Um, so, I got, so I thought I was done. And then I, luckily because of this gentleman that, that paid for my hip, I ended up getting two more fights before I retired. Wow. So, but yeah, my, my life's very lucky. I'm very – free trips to Thailand, free hip – a uh, free trip to Vegas. Uh, um, yeah, life is cool. And and you, wow. you mentioned that retirement, and 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 the retirement speech was was a pretty emotional watch uh, for, yeah. for for all of us. Um, how hard was it to to hang up the gloves and oh, and has retirement? It still sucks. I'm I'm still transitioning. <laughs> I'm still transitioning to to being a, a day walker. It's uh, it's rough. <laughs> yeah, it so sucks. Um, so my whole life for 35 years is about having a date, all right, fighting 10th of September. Next 10 weeks, I'm just fully focused on, on going through game plans every night before I go to bed, put my head on the pillow, this, this, and this, all right, I'm going to make sure I do this, okay. And then determination to train, like in Thailand, to be harder every single day than the day before. Um, and then to wake up and no longer have that uh, – exhilaration and excitement and um yeah it sucks it's it's uh it was everything uh it's it's fun training the kids it's fun being in the gym but uh to not have that and then my body's so broken now that even if i wanted to fight i, I, I couldn't because my hips my hips still plays up every and again um which is uh yeah just so heartbreaking it's something that you love so much and you gotta getting old getting old is such a, a punch in the face uh father time's undefeated so you yeah, we're all we're all victims of that guy. You, you're talking about that, and it's reminding me of what's happened recently with Alexander Volkanovsky. He he came out with. So I don't know if you oh, saw yeah, his um, post-fight chat after the um, Islam Makhachev fight, and it just it seems like he was so. He found it difficult, it seemed, to not have a fight booked. He had to get a fight in. It was somehow – the, the phrase he used is it was doing oh, his yeah. head in, that not having a fight. And now he's looking at just coming off what I thought was quite a vicious knockout. And we're huge Volk fans on this show. We've had him on the show a couple of times. Um, but he's looking at potentially fighting Ilya Taporia in January, and he's saying he wants that fight. And as a fan of his, I'm thinking – Mate, I'd love you to take some time yeah. off and and just kind of like give it give it two or three extra months just to recover from that. Do you do you think do do you see in do you, do you what do you think if you're if you're in Volk's corner? Are you saying yeah, man, you'll be good for January? And I understand what it's like to not have a fight booked and how your mental health might deteriorate if if you're not going towards a fight. Or do you go? Take a break because that was a bad knockout, and maybe try and find something else that's that's keeping you kind of happy or occupied for those extra few months. How do you play? Uh, fight, 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 fight. Yeah, the more you fight, <laughs> really. Fight. And then um, because you're coming off a loss too, that's going to eat at you until your next win. So the only way to erase that loss is to win again. And and then you're only as good as your last fight. So your all your all your emotions feed off a loss, and then. Um, that can take you to a dark place as well because you know you're better than that. You know that um, you know there was mistakes made um, that could have prevented it. But um, so yeah, yeah. And then the the only good thing about a loss is the motivation that it drives you to be more successful in the future. From um, yeah, I've had 37 losses out of 150 fights, uh, and every single one of them sucked. Uh, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, just um, 
it's hard. If you got the, if you got, long as you got the passion, if you got the passion to, to get beaten, um, and you can get back straight back in the gym and uh, still be positive and still motivated, you, yeah, it doesn't. You don't need the long breaks. Um, and, and while you're fit and healthy, last thing you do is have a big break, drop down your cardio, then have to start again from the base. Uh, it's good to drop down to seventy percent and then top back up again. Seventy percent and top back up again. Um, you, then you're constantly ready. Um, the phone call rings. You got three days. I'm good. Um, yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. Just fight. Keep fighting. Fighting's awesome. Sure. You you wouldn't you wouldn't worry about like a um, a lack of durability or your chin being a bit less because you've been knocked out a couple a few months prior. Uh, uh, nah. <laughs> the only way. Yeah. <laughs> no, fair you're, enough. You're, you know what? That's why I'm asking own, the question. You're, you're the expert, not me. Project. Uh, if you get knocked down, should I fight straight away? Uh, sure. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't happen again. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I've had 150 fights and only been stopped twice um, from from knockouts. I, I've been stopped by cuts, but uh, I've only knocked on the chin and the, the head kick. Uh, oh, with the head kick three. Um, so, yeah, this year I get straight back into the into the gym, um, uh, uh, and then yeah, get, like like I said before, use it as motivation. I never want that uh, to have that that feeling of a loss or a knockout loss ever again. It's a uh, yeah, it's such it's such good good motivation. It really really sucks. So, and then when you when you win, the the enjoyment of that next win just makes it so much more even better. So yeah, there's always a positive to the situation uh, we're aware that we've took an hour of your time and uh hey. and, and and we're so grateful that that you, you you've given that up for us today. i just want to ask you as somebody that that has transitioned you know through through kickboxing to muay thai to boxing we had a huge fight at the weekend uh we saw a, a hybrid fight of of tyson fury versus francis Ngannou. how did you how did you see that and how did you score that uh, I think I think uh, Tyson definitely won. I think um, just yeah, I, 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 for his performance to being who he was and, and not uh, being aggressive or no, there was no uh, output. You, you don't win fights by not punching. You got to punch. That's how you win. It's a it's a boxing fight. You got to box. They just stood there and did a staring competition. The third round was insane. Uh, that was cool, but the rest of the fight was shit. Um, it was a good game plan, but <laughs> like to watch it back again to rescore it, that was painful. That, that sucks so bad. Um, but Tyson just did a little bit more, a little bit. More, but when I said a little bit more, like um, they, they should be both in. But oh, I'm not. Um, but um, Francis's game plan to let Tyson come to him um, that was really, really clever. Um, he didn't put himself in any danger. And then that 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 check left hook of his um, left, dropping him in the third, and even in the early rounds, um, every time Tyson came in, that check hook was catching him, and then that that sort of gave him the uh, intimidated to commit after that, pretty much. And then after the lockdown, that sort of changed the game. Then, um, yeah. But uh, when you, I even went on the boxing under the Google, look at the boxing stats to see how many punches they threw, and it was yeah, very. Yeah, it was, it was very, very sad. I think one round they threw like six punches the whole round. It's like, oh, come on, guys. This is supposed to be world level. You're, you're asking for two, $200 million a fight and you can't fucking punch. 
It's like, what? That's your only job. You got 200 million bucks, and your only job is to throw punches. Going to throw a punch. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> sure or not? For that sort of money, absolutely. Like, entertaining. Yeah. If you're talking about yeah. I mean, a little uh, jingle dance in the middle and freaking top hat and cane. You do your thing for two hundred million. They just stand there. No, absolutely fair enough. Fair enough. I I have to say I haven't watched it properly because uh, I I don't know. I don't, I'm not as huge a fan of boxing as what I I, I like. Like with, I love MMA, but I, I would rather watch a Muay Thai fight or a kickboxing fight than I would a boxing fight. I like the kicks. I like all that. that that's that, Again, it's that thing of I grew up watching Power Rangers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, and the kickboxer movies and stuff like that. And I was like, I want to see the flashy stuff. I don't, I don't just want to see the punches. I want to see the flashy stuff. So, yeah. Fantastic. Um, mate, thank you so much for, for coming on today, mate. It's been such a pleasure uh, hearing your stories and chatting to you, mate. It's, it's, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. It was really fun. Thank you so much. John Wayne Parr, the gunslinger, just unloaded rounds all over us and it delivered. It was a direct hit. That sounded slightly sexual and I don't know how I feel about that, but yeah, I agree. It was very good chat. (laughs) Stories for days, mate. It did that. We were just, uh, there's loads of questions I still didn't ask him. Like, there's stuff about his um, doctor x-raying his bones and saying... I want to take these to university for them to like study them properly because your mm. bone structure is crazy because I think they conditioned all of the bone marrow out of like his shins and other parts of his body. The, the, the bones in his shins are just pure bone. There's no marrow. They're just solid bones. He's conditioned them so much and stuff like that. 346 stitches in his face, I think he's had over the course of his career. I mean, his head must be like 80% scar tissue. It must be. It's absolutely crazy. So we, these are questions we didn't get to ask him because we had such a lovely time chatting and, and we went on and on. But uh, yeah, there was, more, there was more to ask. He was a great chap. And I mean, if you if you know if you want to know more about him, there's a fantastic documentary. Um, is it called Born with Born with Venom? Uh, ble- blessed with Venom. Blessed with Venom. It, yeah. Blessed, if you put uh, in Blessed with Venom, John Wayne Parr, you'll find it. It's on YouTube. You can find it. It's it's great. And uh, and also, it is, there's a two part interview um, on um, former guest Liam Harrison's podcast um, with, with John Wayne. It's a really good listen as well. So uh, if you want to hear two people that up sticks and move to Thailand chatting about it, then uh, that's a that's yeah. a great listen. As is Liam Harrison when he was on uh, on this very podcast. Um, well, look, I think um, that's pretty much all she wrote. Um, we should say that if you enjoyed that, definitely go and check out the Liam Harrison episode um, and yeah, just go get stuck into the archives because there's hundreds of episodes we've got some fantastic guests um coming your way very soon so the best thing you should do is subscribe um we're going to be really kind of shifting things on uh, on the visual side of what we do um in the coming weeks um we can't wait to kind of unveil that and show you what we've been up to other than that we're done right i think we're done see you later guys Bye-bye.